A pantser, a plotter, and real talk about the indie author life. If you're ready to get the support you need for your author career and life, join international indie bestseller Angela J. Ford and young adult fantasy author Stephanie Wabwa as they talk about all the things, writing, publishing, and the real life of an indie author. Thanks for tuning in to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. Together, let's build the writing life you love. Welcome to another episode of the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. This is episode 33, and we have an amazing guest who is also a children's author and will share about her writing process and the passion behind it. But before we dive into another awesome interview, we'll just chat a little bit about what we've been up to. Stephanie, over to you. Hello, hello, guys. We know you've not heard us for a little bit, just a little summertime siesta that we all need. Hmm? But um, I, it's been fun. It's been fun. First of all, let's just talk about like indie life, right? right? So like life itself has been awesome. I know at this point, no matter where you are around the world, everyone has been quarantined for some time. And in the beginning, it was very much so hectic, chaotic. No one really knew what was going on. But then after a while, we all found our stride, right? And so it's very much so been an extended summer <laughs> here in the state of Maryland, which is where I am located. But it's been nice. I Lifestyle-wise, before I touch upon just like author life, um, lifestyle life, it's been good because it's really good for your creativity. I've been getting out to parks almost every week, if not every every other week. Um, where I live, there's a lot of state parks and they're big. It's also easy to cross into the state of Virginia. I just, you know, just cross the bridge, go to those state parks over there. So it's been really fun because there's a lot of deer and squirrels and foxes, and they're just kind of walking around doing their thing. A lot of trees, a lot of water, a lot of bodies of water. And for me, getting out to places like that really helps the creativity. I don't know. It's refreshing. It opens up my mind. It gets me clear. Um, it makes me feel, sometimes depending on which state park I'm at, I feel small in a good way, meaning that the world is just so much bigger and there's just so much to explore and to discover. And I'm able to take all of that energy and bring it to my book. So now I'll transition into that. Um, so life has been good and writing has been good, you guys. I am very close to knocking out book one of this series that I'm working on. It was supposed to be a short story. It morphed into a novella, then it mutated into a full-blown novel, which will be a series. I'm having a lot of fun. It's between a mage princess and a siren prince. I will be releasing to my newsletter the title very soon once I'm done with draft one. Um, I've already shared mood boards of like what the characters look like and um you know people are excited you know mage princess siren prince what will happen and so i'm having a lot of fun writing that it very much so is an epic fantasy but there is like a strong core of romance in it so that'll be fun um to dig into as well simply because i'm like testing my romance skills <laughs> but that's a lot of fun i've been focusing on that i do have um 
tons of works to write, but I am doing this pacing of write one, move on to the next, then go back and work on another. So even though I have multiple ideas, they're written down, they're in a writing schedule. So I know approximately like which month I will write what, but I focus on one thing at a time so I can write it, knock it out, move on. And so that's what I've been working on. Angela, catch us up on what's been going on with you. Okay, so I love that you're going out to parks and digging into nature and all of that. And I find that when I'm out in nature, I'm just so inspired and I absolutely love that. Um, for me, it's just a matter of going out on my porch. My house backs up to a forest. And so we see lots of hedgehogs and chipmunks and squirrels and deer occasionally. It's just wild out there and I love it. Um, but me and my husband have a garden. And so, well, okay, he does the garden stuff. Let's be real. Um, but I I enjoy watching it all grow and I enjoy sitting out there and just enjoying it. It's just beautiful. Like there's just something that is so pure and all inspiring about nature that I just love. And even if I'm in a writing funk or I can't figure out where to go in the chapter or the scene that I'm writing, then going outside always fixes it every single time. And so that being said, I've been working on multiple projects. And I feel like working on multiple projects is a good thing just because there are different series that I've released. Like some, they really hit it out of the park with readers. Readers absolutely love it. They eat it up. They can't wait for more. And others, it's just like, okay, that was cool. That was cool. Nice job there. Nothing that I really love. but And so I like kind of having the multiple series thing going on just because I know they will resonate differently with different readers. And I think that's helpful, especially for revenue, but I'm working on uh, the fourth book in my Legend of the Nameless One series, which takes place under the sea. And so that's really fun. I just had like a really cool ideal for how to make it all gel and come together. And so I'm really excited to dig into that. And that's been fun. And then I've been doing my fantasy romance serial, um, which is just little short stories. Um, I get really good feedback from readers on it. The number one complaint is that they are too short, which is fun. <laughs> so um, I've been working on making them slightly longer, but not too much longer. Uh, but it's just really fun. It's just a, a quick and easy passion project, just fun, short reads for people to read and enjoy. They follow a similar theme. And so it's just really fun. And I think having the fun and having the passion and really enjoying what you're doing is super important. And even, even if it is a career, like I think it should be something that you enjoy and you love, and it shouldn't be something that you wake up and you're struggling through. And so that is what I'm working on, just making sure that I keep that purity and having the fun and the joy and the passion in the projects. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. And now we are going to transition into our interview where she talks very much so about the joy of writing. Before we get started talking on today's topic, here's a word about our Indie Author Lifestyle Workshops. Workshops are designed for career authors who want in-depth training on certain topics to help you take your career to the next level. Join us each month to dig into writing, publishing, and book marketing strategies for only $27.99. Plus, get access to the exclusive community. Find out our topic of the month by going to IndieAuthorLifestyle.com forward slash workshops. Now, back to our episode. Okay. 
Welcome to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. We are back with another fantastic episode. This week, our featured interview guest is Maran Taiba. She is a children's fantasy author born in Montreal, Canada. She was raised in Saudi Arabia, which at times was the most unimaginative place. This pushed her to escape into books at a very early age and from there into the craft of storytelling. Maram has written children's steambook called Weather Knows, and she's currently working on the sequel, which we'll discuss in today's episode. Uh, she is not only a fiction author, but also a screenwriter and filmmaker. Currently, she lives in Kingston, Ontario, where she loves gardening, bike rides, and karaoke. Maram, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you on. Tell us a little bit about you and what really got you started with writing. What was the, the spark that made you become just dig into it? Yeah. Hi, Angela. Hi, Stephanie. Um, well, a lot of things actually got me to start writing, but I would I would definitely start by crediting my mother, giving her the credit for um, just that one trip in Los Angeles where she took me to the bookstore to set me on a course of reading. And it was the most um, fantastic thing. Like I, I was so eager for it because I love stories. And my first, uh, I read my first abridged classic novel was Oliver Twist. Um, and so reading became a big part of my life. But the moment the light bulb really came on for me was when I had a really great English teacher in sixth grade. And she was an awe-inspiring person. Like, she could create so much joy in the classroom, but also a lot of intimidation. <laughs> because she had this, like, this really big, like, firm personality. You just wanted to please her. Um, but but because she had so much influence on me, she, uh, I, I, you know, her feedback was super important to me. And so when she started kind of hinting that I had the knack for it, um, she used to write me big paragraphs of praise on my homework with a gold pen. And I just, that was just, you know, revelation. It was a revelation for me. And I realized that that's, that's what I want to do. No, that's really cool. I think it's awesome that you had a teacher point that out just because I know for me, that's also part of my journey. Not necessarily that what got me going, but that is part of the journey was like a teacher said, wow, like you love to read, you love to write. There might be something here. You shouldn't like give up on it. So I think that's really cool. And just to piggyback on Angela's question about, you know, what got you into writing? What got you into being an indie author specifically? Like what got you into wanting to self-publish and put your stories out there? Hmm. Um, really, quite frankly, like if I were to answer this question very in very simple terms, I would say that it was the word count. Um, because Weather Knows and the book that I wrote, the couple books that I wrote before that um, did not hit the novel word count, in, like, in, like in traditional publishing. So I wasn't able to reach out to publishing houses at the time. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, well, let's see how this does online. And I threw it out there. And I actually really loved the process of working with artists to create the book cover and um, 
there are parts of self-publishing that are difficult, especially if you're uh, if you're an author and you're introverted and you're not used to talking about yourself, you're not used to showing up on camera. That part uh, took a little bit of getting used to because as a self-published author, you need to do all of the marketing and all of the you know promotion. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, I will, I'll get into kind of like the, the pros and cons in a second. But I absolutely love the cover art for your book, Weather Knows. And I'd love to talk more about that and the process for that. So will you share a little bit, you know, market yourself a little bit, tell us what it's about. And then I'm curious on your website, you said children's um, author. So what kind of age range is your your target market? Right, right. Um, so Weather Knows is a children's steampunk book, and it is uh, set in a universe called the Cerulean Universe. Uh, it's about a um, middle-aged weatherman who wakes up one day to find that his career is being sabotaged because a 10-year-old girl has invented a machine that can predict the weather, um, so basically does his job. So in order to get his life back and his career back on track, he sets out to destroy her and her machine, but he finds out that she is way too smart for him. So uh, the cover of the book, I was very particular about how it was done because I really wanted the world of that book to be captured correctly. I wanted the, the quirky, fun, humorous, colorful, like whimsical um, uh, aspects of the book to show on the cover. And I found an artist on, I think it was DeviantArt, one of those illustration websites. And we worked for a little while and he showed me a few sketches and he started painting it. And I was looking at it and I was like, nah, that's not it. That is not it. I don't think he gets it. So I had to search for another illustrator. And I found this um, wonderful artist. Uh, she's American. She's um, Her name's Leah Palmer Price. And uh, on Instagram, she's called Curious Art Lab. She's brilliant. Um, she read the book. She got it. Like, immediately her... Her process, even before the finished product, indicated to me that she she knows what she's doing. Like she gets it. That is wonderful. And sorry, Stephanie, I'll let you go ahead. I was just thinking about that that whole process of like finding someone that really captures your vision is it can be really difficult. And sometimes it just takes a little bit more time, and sometimes it's just easy. But then like you have that gut feeling and that knowing that this is the right person for my art. They can really capture the vision and make it Absolutely. come true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I was going to touch on that because I know I can be the same way. I'm very particular about my, uh, my art covers, which Angela will tell you about <laughs> sometimes probably too particular, <laughs> but um, I'm very specific because I know that what's on the cover has to tie into what is in the story just because I also understand just the importance of the cover and there are certain meanings that I want readers to get right away and then when they read it's like oh, okay this is what the story is about so I think it's really cool that um you basically shared just the, the good and the bad right like the pros and the cons one artist can get it and they'll mm -hmm. go through, you know through sketches and you're like oh I love this but another 
it may not work out so well. And so for listeners, you know, that's a good point to recognize like, hey, it's not all the time. You know, it'll be like a one stop shop. You find someone, they got it and it's done. It's like you you may have to work even for the cover aspect, not just the story to get that across. You know what I mean? And you have to be prepared to spend money because, you know, I you, you could get an artist, pay them for at least a portion of the work and then you don't like it. You have to find another artist and pay them as well. And then like the whole process of promotion, um, you know, you have to have a budget for it. So let's talk a little bit about that. I'm glad that you like went into that. So when it came to um, getting ready to put Weather Knows out there and like making sure that it gets to the right readers and all of these things, what was your process as far as like your budgeting and just like getting ready, you know, pre-launch, during launch and post-launch? What was your process? Yeah, uh, at first I was I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, with a zero budget. Um, I I did a you know did a pre what's it called a pre launch pre order thing where I, I you know I I announced the book on my social media and asked people to um, pre order the book before it became available. I made it available on my birthday, August twenty first, um, and. Um, and then after that, I tried all of the uh, ways and channels of, you know, getting people to, to put eyeballs on the book. Um, I talked to people I knew. I, I I did all my social media, you know, channels. I, I emailed my newsletter. But then I realized that you can't do this really without spending money. Um, you're going to have to spend money on promotions. Eventually, if you're ready, you might have to hire people to help you. So you have to think of it as an as an enterprise. You have to think with an, you know, you have the, you have your author brain, where you where you you're the visionary. You're creating. You write the book. You work with the artist, but then you have to have the entrepreneur mindset. If you're doing this alone, you're gonna have to shift into that, like wear that hat. I'm so glad you brought that up because we talk so much about wearing the hats and just making sure that you understand what you're getting into with the career and knowing that it's not just like, oh, this is a hobby. I'm going to write a book and put it out there and, you know, it's going to sell like crazy. Like you really have to approach it from an entrepreneur point of view, like especially if this is something that you're going to turn into a career or a revenue stream or kind of whatever your goals are for it are. Yeah, and you have to also realize that your entrepreneurial role is not like this small piece that is that is going to just complete your your journey as an author like it's that missing puzzle piece that you just have to put in place. No, it's a whole other role. And it'll take as much effort if, if maybe even more than your actual writing of the book. And it never stops. It's not something you, you know, just do once a month and hope your book gets out there. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. Uh, that is one of the things that I noticed when I first started um, working with other authors and with books, there were some that would just really just only focus on the big release day. And that was it. And then they would stop. And I'd be like, well, of course your cell stop. What are you doing to promote it? Nothing. Oh, okay. Well, then nothing's happening. <laughs> and especially in today's landscape, um, it's just you really have to make sure that you understand and you know, like, this is my strategy. These are the marketing efforts that I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do every single month to make sure that my book is visible and people right. know that it's available. Right. 
And in order to, um, you, you have to have an author platform online and I'm working on building mine and you have to, and there's another hat, which is the entertainer. You have to be available to, you know, communicate with people, connect with people and get them excited about your work and talk about your work and appear in front of a camera. Um, have conversations with people in DMs if you're on Instagram. Um, I have a Facebook group that I that I uh, recently refurbished, and I'm, I'm it's called Fantasy and Steampunk by Maram Taiba, and it's where you know I I created this container where people come in who love fantasy and who want to be a part of a tribe that is talking about fantasy all day. Um, so that's the place where I go and communicate with people and really hear their thoughts and ask them questions. And it's really a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. So it sounds like you are, you're digging into that entrepreneur mindset and you're actually enjoying it a little bit too, which yeah. is, which is great. It took, <laughs> it took a while, but as soon as you make that mind shift of, cause a lot of authors limit themselves to what, what is the expectation of being an author? So I'm just going to write this thing and then I'm going to have somebody else do the work for me. That doesn't always work, especially not today, not anymore. You have to be willing to step into that role and be courageous and like really show up. Yeah. So, uh, what, what tips would you have for people that are kind of just starting out and they, they need to make that mind mind shift, um, what kind of suggestions would you have for them? Um, you have to you have to look at what is what are what are your limiting thoughts? Like for me at first, it was like I don't like looking at myself on video. I don't like hearing myself talk, and that's a limiting belief. That's a limiting thought, right? And it, it is hold it will hold you back. So it's really getting real with yourself. First of all, like asking yourself, how much do I want? This? How much do I want this book out there? How much do I want to share this with the world? If it's that much, then you need to look at where you're limiting yourself and just, you know, get in there and face it. There's no other way. There's no easy way. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish there were. <laughs> No, I totally agree. And I really like, you know, those tips where you just got to do it in a sense, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, especially if you're an indie author, I mean, if you are traditionally published, let's just be real, you also do need an entrepreneurial hat because, you know, the house isn't doing everything for you. They're only doing a portion nowadays, right? But um, if you are an indie author, you really do have to wear that hat you know you write but then you also have to work on the marketing piece as well like it it's a it's a full package it's not silos where you know like right. there's a book and then there is the marketing and i'll touch it if i want to no you will touch it if you want to get anywhere you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. and they they kind of interweave together they do um, and you also have to think about if you're ready to step into your entrepreneurial role you have to understand, any entrepreneur should know that progress doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a month, six months, maybe even more than a year. So you just, you just have to, you know, understand what the expectations are and kind of, I don't want to say brace yourself because that would make it sound like it's, like it's a war or like it's something negative, but you just have to pace yourself as you're, as you're going about this. You have to embrace um, how things unfold organically. And then sometimes there will be 
you might not get the results that you want right away, but then there'll be that one person that, for me, there's this nine-year-old girl who emails me about Weather Knows because she loves it and she can't wait for the sequel. And she shows up to all of my online events when I do book readings, when I do community events, she's always there. And she asks intelligent questions and she's just this most adorable person. And it, it's, it's so rewarding to have that, to see that you can have influence at least on that one person, right? I absolutely love that. And just hearing that story, oh, it gets my heart going. Because sometimes when I'm looking at my books, I'm like, all it takes is just one person, just like one person being like, hey, I love your stuff. Or I really enjoyed it. Or, I connected with this character so much. That is really all it takes for me. And I'm like, yes, I will write you a million more stories. I promise. <laughs> so I have a question. You have a unique background, right? Let's just be honest. You know, you're Canadian, but you're also Saudi Arabian, which I think is like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> um, and so does that background and that history, um, does that like add to your stories? Like, do you intentionally write for uh, these cultures or you're on a more general sense? That's a really great question. So when I wrote Weather Knows, I wrote it back when I was in college in Saudi Arabia. It was when I was doing my undergrad. So it's kind of an older story. Um, and for a long time, if I'm going to be honest, for a long time in my journey as an author, I, um, I, I resisted, um, resisted my background. And I, I just wanted to, to write worlds that were not tied to any culture that I know of. Because I didn't, if I'm not, if I'm resisting my background, and I don't belong to any other background, so I might as well just make up my own, right? Um, but I think recently, or over the past five years, I, I, I've come to a place where I, I appreciate my background and I see potentials and I see the possibilities of how it could actually weave magic into what I write. Um, and it, and this actually uh, appears in my debut fantasy novel, which is not published yet. Um, but there's, it actually does, you know, weave a lot of what I grew up with into the story. So I think that's awesome. And I wonder, so like, what are some, cause you said you resisted it. And I think that's fascinating because I also have varying backgrounds. Um, they're kind of just I, like my life journey is all over the place, right? Because, you know, I was born in Canada, but I was raised in the US, but I've also lived in Haiti and I'm African, right? So it's like cultures upon cultures, but Ironically enough, I haven't written about Haitian culture, though I was raised with in a Haitian home, essentially. I haven't written about Congolese culture. And mm -hmm. so I think it's interesting that you said, you know, resisted your background because um, some authors I find very much so find their power in those experiences and in those histories. And like their stories are fueled by that culture. If you take, you know, like a Tomi Adeyemi, right. And she writes from that like Nigerian-esque culture. Yeah. Whereas for someone like me, it's very much so I just made everything up. <laughs> like No one would know which histories I'm coming from. Right. So I think it's very interesting that you said that. And I'm excited now for this new novel because I want to read yeah, more. <laughs> I, I wish I could talk about it, uh, but I don't think that this is, um, I don't think it's ready to be shared yet. Um, but it is right now like my number one 
love affair. <laughs> oh, I love hearing that because you already have one out and you have a, a sequel that you're either working on or will work on for weather knows, but then you, you have something else too. And I think that's really important to, um, to really focus on your passion when it comes to writing. Um, I'm a big fan. I, I have multiple series out. And so I'm usually always working on multiple series. Uh, but I'm finding that it really helps because I like to focus on things that I love. And sometimes uh, an ideal or inspiration will just come out of nowhere. And I feel like I just owe it to that ideal to instantly get to work on it and make sure I don't lose it before it goes away. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I agree with you on that. I, I spent a lot of, I always knew I wanted to write fantasy. That was like, that was, there was no question about that. Ever since I was very young, I knew I loved fantasy, but I, I, you know, in the name of exploration, which was perfectly okay. I, you know, tried so many different genres. I tried to write murder mystery. I think at some point in my life, I'm going to have to stop everything and write a murder mystery because I've always wanted to do that. But, you know, on, in my journey, I tried so many different things. Um, I'm a screenwriter as well. And when you're a screenwriter, you get to write, you know, a variety of genres. Um, so that's always pulled me away from fantasy. It's always, like, stayed. I've kept it in the back of my mind. Like, someday I'm going to settle down and write those fantasy books that I want to write. Um, until I realized that I, I can't. No, that like I can't wait any longer. This is what gives me the truest form of joy. Um, and so I'm here and I'm completely invested in this right now. Um, but I love what you said about uh, when you have an idea and you don't want to lose it and you just want to get to work on it right away. You, I immediately remembered that part in Elizabeth Gilbert's book, uh, Big Magic. Um, have you ladies... Uh, read her book so she was talking about i've heard of it i have not dug into it yet yeah she's i've read some of it but i know she like went hardcore on that ideal too and i was like i love i know exactly what she's talking yeah. about that really inspired me yeah she talked about how when you don't um adopt the idea when it comes to you if you don't adopt it soon enough it will flit off fly off someone else and they will pick it up and you will see it you know she she uh she talked about uh, how this happened to her she had this like crazy novel idea about a woman in a jungle or something like that um and then she kept putting it off she couldn't really work on it and then it, it I, I don't know after a, a certain time later she meets with an author friend of hers and her author friend tells her what she's working on right now, which is the exact same idea that Elizabeth Gilbert had for her book. And that's where she, you know, she, that's where she got this idea. Like you have to capture it when it comes, you have to be, you have to adopt it. You have to be its host. Otherwise it will fly off to someone else. I think that's so true though. Cause I've, I've definitely seen that where I've had like different ideals and I didn't act upon them. And then I can go to Amazon and I can see, Ooh, like this person also had something that's very similar. Only they acted upon it and their book is out. Whereas mm -hmm. mine is just in my head. <laughs> but then, you know, you could always think about it this way is the person who's meant to host the idea will actually 
be the one who writes it, right? Because you could you could go down a rabbit hole just, you know, berating yourself for all the ideas you never adopted. Oh, yeah, know. for sure. And I have a question as far as like craft-wise, just because that's my jam. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, making money off the books is a cool thing too, but <laughs> the actual process of it. So when it comes to like your characters and, you know, I, you know, you were talking about how you have this middle-aged man, you know, his career is on the line. And then this kid comes and like, you know, show stops him. First of all, I'm a very visual thinker. And so I can see that. And like, it's hilarious to me. So when it comes <laughs> to crafting your characters, like what is your process as far as like character development and bringing them to life um i don't a lot of character development comes from observation from you observing other people and all the conversations that you hear um from you just observing life um do you do that consciously sometimes yes but most of the time no i mean if you're an author maybe you're prone to observing things more than other people but then when you sit down and you're writing i think without you kind of um, guiding it or controlling it, all of that knowledge that you've gathered about people and life just kind of channels itself naturally into your character if your character, um, if it's a strong character. Because, you know, sometimes you'll have an idea about a character, but then it's, it's, it's a bit hazy. Uh, for me, these characters, Tart, Morning, and Cypress Corkle were just so, they were, they just were. You know, and, and I don't I don't think that there was a conscious thought process in how they were formed and how they behaved because it was just they just did what they wanted to do and it was all very natural. I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. Cause I mean, that's very much so what I would call the pantser style of things, right? Like it kind of <laughs> <just> like <laughs> right, Angela's heart right there. And so like, you know, they kind of just manifest themselves. And we actually did have um, another author friend come on to the podcast and he talked about Jeff Kahanek, for those of you who are listening. And he did talk about how his characters kind of just develop on it on their own. And as he's writing, they kind of just like manifest in a sense. And then as he's writing, he's like, oh, okay, I need to put them in this situation or I need to have yeah. them do this. But like, they are very much so themselves yeah. already by the time they hit the page. Right. I mean, you can have... I always recommend having an outline before you start writing, not because it's not because you need, you know, this kind of map that tells you what to do while you're moving through the story. It's just it's backbone for your process. And then you can change that along the way if if something in it doesn't feel right or the characters want to do something else. But I like and not even an outline. I like moments. Like I like to just put like this map of moments I would like to see in the book because it, this would be fun. What if I put them in that situation? And then, and then I work my way towards those moments. Sometimes I just drop um, those markers or those anchors in the map if, if they no longer feel necessary, if they no longer feel right. I love that idea of just using mm -hmm. moments that you want to see in the book. And I think this is something that I do too, but I just never thought about it like that. Cause I'll think about, I guess I think about them as scenes and I'll be like, Ooh, I want a scene where this happens and mm -hmm. I want a scene where that happens. And then as I keep writing, then the, everything kind of connects together, yeah. but um, is a very much of a, uh, I like the idea of having all of that because my writing is, 
very, it's more of a discovery. It's like going on an adventure. And I think that's why I like it so much is that I'll have an ideal in my head and then it will change as I write and then it'll, it'll come out and it'll be this something that I didn't intend, but is better than what I intended. And it's beautiful and I like it that way. And it's, it just makes it so much more fun when it's that, that whole discovery instead of uh, breaking it down into technicalities. Yeah, no, that's really good. And so um, I also want to touch a little bit about world. Do you approach your world that way too? Like I would, I want to see this kind of space, maybe they'll travel here or are you more intentional as far as like building out their worldviews and like what surrounds them as they travel? My initial feel for the place is pretty much intuitive. It's pretty much spontaneous. Like I will see snapshots of Spaces, and I'll I'll have a feel for um, the aura of the place or the energy of the place, and then once I kind of pin that down and understand, it's like, and I and I go like, oh, okay, yeah, I understand what this place is all about. That's when I start collecting information to supplement mm. that initial gut feeling, right? Um, I will. I've had binders before where I've, I collected, you know, magazine pages and um, fabrics, um, pieces of nature, just anything that kind of inspires that world. And I create this resource for myself to go back to when it's time to write. Um, I, I don't like, I don't know, some authors do that, but I, for me, I don't really enjoy the idea of like, okay, right, let's write down the rules of this world or like how, what are the laws and what are the social norms? I don't like the recording that stuff. I feel like it has to come through the scenes, but you obviously have to be aware. Like you have to have it somewhere in there. I think that is fascinating that you said you collect things that really pertain to your world. Cause now I'm thinking to myself, huh? Let me slide on through Joanne's fabrics and feel some silks. <laughs> what they would be wearing because that's so different. Like I don't think I've ever heard that where you know, like someone collects. Like it's almost as if like you're collecting pieces of the world that you're about to bring to life. And I think that is just fascinating. And I, yeah, and I used to collect also. Like I would cast uh, the characters using Hollywood actors, if if there are any that really kind of align with the character. And then sometimes I'll take that image into Photoshop and I'll Photoshop them to look more like the character. Like I put on the hat and the makeup and and then I'll put that on a vision board. Um, I don't know if that's creepy, but that's what I do. <laughs> no, I like it. It's really cool because it's um, bringing your world to life, not only with words, but also with visuals, which is I, I love like kind of character art and just like seeing the visuals of a world, which I think is why I love um, movies so much too, because then you see it come to life and it's beautiful. But also it, it helps because when it comes down to a book, like you really have that front cover front and center and then, you know, whatever else that you can add in and hopefully the words can like capture everything that you want your, your readers to experience. So that that's beautiful. Yeah. And you have a filmmaking too, which was that something you thought about when before you went into filmmaking, kind of combining the 
the two passions, like um, just reading and the visuals together? Well, I've had many creative detours in my journey. So I did graphic design for my undergrad and then I graduated and I realized that I didn't want to work for advertising companies and make logos for people. So I um, decided to, I wanted to, I wanted to do, I wanted to turn back towards storytelling, which is what I always knew I wanted to do, but I wanted to do it in a way that was kind of marketable or that has some kind of career, you know? Um, and I'm also, because I'm a visual person, so I thought visual, visuals plus writing equals film. That makes perfect sense. Um, and, and I do, I do, I, like I did enjoy my journey as a filmmaker, uh, my journey in film school, which was pretty intense, but also quite enlightening. Um, so uh, I really enjoyed that, but I forgot what your question was. <laughs> oh, if it was intentional to pursue like uh, a career of, um, you know, writing and also filmmaking. Yeah, it was intentional because I really, I really saw myself um, in film and I, and I did make a couple of short films. Um, and I don't know, I might make another film in the future and I'm still a screenwriter. Um, so I, I do enjoy that world. Um, I'm just, I have disengaged a little bit recently because I really wanted to focus on writing. That's really cool. And would you ever turn your books into films? Do you think that that would ever be a thing? I mean, I would hope so. Uh, I wouldn't be the one. I don't think I would be the one <laughs> to film them. But um, I would love to see my books on film. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that is that is a, a dream. I think that secretly every author is like, please, 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 someone pick up my book and turn it into a film or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing to see it come to life. Well, Maram, this is awesome. And we've loved having you on and just hearing about your journey and the work that you're doing. And I love your confidence in your work and what you do that really shines through and just your passion for it too, which is fantastic. But uh, before we go, I'd love to know if you have any final words for our listeners. I would say don't be afraid to be a kid again. That's been my that's been my my thing recently. I've I've been playing with the neighbors' kids during the pandemic, like during the lockdown. Um, we played, you know, pirates, fairies, dragons, and I, I had this treasure hunt for them, and it was just so rewarding because it it kind of takes you back into that space where it's magical, but there's also a lot of wisdom in it. I really think children are very wise. Um, and, and I think it's important for the creative process, especially to connect with your inner child and just to be a kid again. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, I love that. That's really cool. And I like the kind of going back to being, you know, that that kid version, that that wonder at the world. I absolutely love that. The way kids look at things and the way they're so like excited and hopeful and just wow about everything that there's some magic in that. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Miriam, for coming on the show. Um, we absolutely loved having you on and we will talk to you again soon. I loved have I love talking to you guys as well. Thanks for having me.
you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. The journey to becoming a full-time author on your own terms is easier than you think. Plus, our community is one of a kind. With workshops, writing, and marketing resources, and much more, we're here to help you live your best indie author life. Ready to dive in? Visit IndieAuthorLifestyle.com forward slash inner circle for more details. Let's chat again in the next episode.